Welcome to another Mother Runner. This is Sarah in Portland. This is Dimity in Denver, standing on some healthier hooves. Oh, nice. Nice. You just <laughs> yep. came back from the foot doctor, didn't you, Dave? I did. I did. I'm working on it. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Oh, um, good. It's funny because there was somebody, and I, I wish, I can't remember who it was, so I won't want to name names, but she was like five months. I had this. It takes five months. Mm. And um, it has been about, well, it's been a little over five months at this point, but I feel like um, I've really turned a corner and just, mm. it's just been time, you oh, know, that's and awesome. that's just, um, yeah. So, I mean, I've been doing the 5k no limits challenge, um, which basically every workout is 30 minutes. So that's what I'm like, okay, I'm just going to move forward for 30 minutes. Like I can run, I can walk. I, you know, for the first couple of weeks I was pretty disciplined about doing the running and walking breaks, but, um, but then like it was one beautiful day and I was like, oh, this downhill feels so good. <laughs> I'm not going to stop running just because the clock said so. Um, and so yesterday um, I did like 3.2 um, and I can't remember how long it took me, but I ran most of it. So oh, wow, that's awesome. Yeah. So, I mean, oh. I'm just going to keep it at, you know, I'm not going to try and push right now. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to try and go above three, but if I can hang at three a couple times a week, like that's, that's great. So oh, that's real forward motion. That's, that's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. He gave me the foot doctor gave me some, it's basically like half of a golf ball. I swear it is that intrusive. I mean, it is just this hunk of foam that I have to put under my foot. And, oh. uh, you mean in your shoes? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's on my orthotic. Oh, uh, he also said <laughs> for a long time. And even now socks were really uncomfortable. Like I just felt like they, Oh my goodness. Strain my feet too much. Like it, it just, I can't tell you how just nervy the whole thing is. It's just nervy. That's the right word. It's uh-huh. just N E R V E Y. Yeah. Okay. Because it sounded a little bit like you said nerdy. And I'm like, oh. hmm, what does it have to do with the computer no. tech person? It, it rhymes with pervy. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So there's no E Y, it's just Y. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, but uh, it's just been so nervy. And so having socks on that would like push my toes together when they already hurt. Just so basically, oh. long story short, is I've been going sockless, which, you know, I don't know about you, but my feet tend to work up a sweat sometimes. <laughs> and the doctor was like, I'm like, could you put a new overlay on those orthotics? Because they reek. And he's like, yeah, you've been wearing them. You've definitely been wearing them. <laughs> nice. That so, was his uh, kind way of saying, yes, these smell really, yeah, yeah, really I wretched. Like, I think they're going to be, you know, up for a, a renewal sooner than most. But, um, but yeah, so that's just been really, I mean, honestly, like, I just, I can't tell you there's nothing that's changed other than I've just been pretty good about not being on it, um, mm-hmm. you know, not running and then and just giving it time. And I'm just, I feel mm-hmm. feeling great, very grateful right now. I could be singing a different tune next week if it mm-hmm. changes, but I'm, I'm feeling good. Good, good. And remind people that, uh, you know, I, I definitely didn't ask you many questions about it on the podcast because I knew it was a sensitive subject. And <laughs> you didn't want to have uh, tears. <laughs> yes, I didn't want my, my co-host crying too much. Um, so, uh, yeah, so remind listeners what it was that was wrong with your foot and kind of the symptoms that went along with it. Well, it was, it's, it was um, a plantar plate I think it was a severe strain and you mm. can tear it to the plantar plate is the, basically the ball of your foot. Mm-hmm. Um, on, so it, it, it was like, um, when I heard it initially, when I ran too much in San Diego and probably a whole bunch of other things contributed to it. And that was back in October. Um, it felt like I had, uh, like a red hot railroad tie going up through my foot all day long, whether I was walking huh. on it, or just sitting. I mean, it was, huh. oh, 
it hurts so much. Oh, that sounds absolutely dreadful. It was awful. And so, you know, and I was wanting to run the Philadelphia Marathon. So, I mean, <laughs> I came home and we have a, you know, um, a garbage can that, um, it's, it's how Grant and I give our give ourselves ice baths because neither of us fit into our, our petite little <laughs> bathtub in our house. So um, so I filled that up, you know, with um, with ice and water and stuck my foot in there. And, you know, I'm like, OK, I'm just going to ice it. I'm just going to ice it. I'm just going to ice it. You know, did that a couple of times a day and like nothing was working. Nothing was working. And um, yeah, I mean, basically, it's just a it's supposedly something that middle aged women get. Um, mm-hmm. It's a, a it's kind of like a combination of like a neuroma and plantar fasciitis is kind of how oh, I would um, describe it or, or kind of, I don't know, I'm not, I'm not enough of a podiatrist, but mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's one of those things like you can't make it better. Mm-hmm. The only thing that makes it better is time and, and orthotics. I mean, when I went to the doctor, he was like, wow, your feet, I mean, that my right foot, which is the one it is, it has a bunion. I've had a neuroma removed. I had an ingrown toenail. I broke my big toe, my, my little toe never got it reset. I mean, it's just a big <laughs> fat hot mess um and he was and i and i have super high arches too yeah. that's the other thing i have super high arches so um so he just said you know your feet are just not genetically predisposed to be a runner you know mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. this is my third i think my maybe my fourth i think it's actually my fourth my fourth pair of um custom orthotics right. and you know i i rail against or i didn't rail against them and run yeah. like a mother well, but i was like, i'd say you did yeah 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 <laughs> no i said i said i'm not i was sure uh-huh. you know um because i think i said you know that i mean the, the set that i had before were so stiff but mm-hmm. maybe these mm-hmm. are just as stiff but maybe this is the time in life that i need them i mean mm-hmm. i don't know it's it's hard to know you know what works but right now these are working so Right. You know, what's right. hard is that, you know, you start to feel better and you're like, oh, I don't need them anymore, you right. know? Right. But I also think um, the, you know, definitely one takeaway message for people listening is that when you have an injury like that, like plantar fasciitis, like an aroma, those kind of niggly stick around for a long time, time and time, time that passes and time off from running are the keys to yeah. letting them get better because I, you know, having been a plantar fasciitis sufferer, I meet so many women at these parties we host or at expos and they'll be like, oh yeah, I have plantar fasciitis. I'm like, oh, uh-huh. Um, that's too bad. You can't run the race. Oh no, I'm running the race. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no, yeah. no, no. That's yeah. not the right answer. Well, so. and that's the thing. I mean, and Joe, uh, Joanne, who was a friend of mine, a mother runner in Minnesota who, um, you know, she had this injury and she was a one on, on one of our webinars um, mm-hmm. for the challenge, the 13 point fun challenge. And she was talking about it. And um, and when and then when I kind of came upon the same symptoms, I was like, oh, my God, I got what Joe got. <laughs> and um, she she gave it to me. Yeah, right. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Love you, Joe. Um, so uh, so that was helpful to know that. And then mm-hmm. she came out. I mean, I, I think I've talked about this before, but she her business brings her to Denver a lot. And so we had dinner one night and she was talking about it and she was like, you know, going back and she was like, it was nine months and she Mm -hmm. ran on it. She's, she's the one that tore hers. And then the tear, I mean, a tear is as big as like a half of a cat hair. I mean, it is so small, like on her MRI, you're like, Mm -hmm. really? That's, that's the cause of all this pain. And, um, I mean, it's so minuscule that it's just like, God dang it. How could that be so maximal in real life? Mm -hmm. Um, but anyway, so just having her talk me through it. And then, I mean, when I went to the doctor before, I was like, okay, I'm just going to do Philly. I'll ride my bike and then I'll, you know, train on my bike and then I'll run Philly with Kelly. And he's like, you, you are going to set yourself back easily nine months, if not more, mm-hmm. if you run Philly. And I'm yeah. like, okay, that's, you know, I, I hear that. I'm going to heed that. So, mm-hmm. 
you know, I mean, I have to say how delicious a run. I mean, this is going to make me cry is how delicious it makes me feel right now. I mean, I got to go three miles yesterday, you know, and it was dark out, but it was like that really crisp morning. I didn't have a headlamp on and I just went, I didn't have any music. And I was just like, oh, oh my God, this just feels so good. It just felt mm -hmm. so good. And I mean, I was, you know, not moving at all, you know, like my miles were probably like a 1030, which is, you know, on the slower end for me, if I'm running well, mm -hmm. and uh, it didn't matter. I mean, and it just, I mean, the, the good news about an injury is that it makes you realize how much you love the sport again. Like, mm -hmm. I think sometimes you, you get so, you know, ingrained, like, oh, I got to go run five miles, or I got to go do this on my training plan or whatever, and then take it away. And you're like, oh my God, I miss it so much. And I don't even care if I ever run another tempo run again right now. Like mm -hmm. I just want to run, you know, and yeah. I just taste it again. And you're just like, oh, it's just so delicious. Yeah. So oh, feeling well, very grateful. Well, I'm so pleased that you're back out there and, and making forward progress, Dimity. That really warms my heart a lot. So good. So what else is going to warm our heart today? <laughs> yes, maybe, maybe a conversation with our guest. Why don't you introduce her, Dim? Uh, we've got Miss Terza Becker um, joining us from Boulder, so pretty close, but she's not in my basement studio with me. She is a, a public librarian up at the Boulder Public Library, but she's a former reporter at the Wall Street Journal. She's worked in the Peace Corps. She's a mom of twins, boy-girl twins, um, and she's also got an essay in Tales from Another Mother Runner. Terza, welcome to the show. Thank you both so much for having me. This is really fun. Oh, good, good, good. I gotta say, before before we get into it, she's like, um, I had to find a quiet room, and um, she works at the Boulder Public Library. I'm like, if you cannot find a quiet room at a public library, <laughs> then then the apocalypse is coming tomorrow, man. <laughs> oh my goodness! All right, so for for starters, Terja, why don't you fill us in on your running background? So I started running when I was 12 because I got chunky suddenly after being a skinny little kid. When I hit adolescence, that was all over, and I, I was bewildered by that. I was not a sporty kid, and all that sedentary stuff just kind of caught up to me, and my dad said, well, why don't you come out and run two miles with me? And so I did, and pretty much through high school, I ran two miles every other day with my dad, and I had no ambition. I didn't like it. It was hot and humid in Missouri, and I don't like running in hot and humid weather, but I also didn't like being chunky, and running helped with that. So for a long time, that was what running was about for me. And when I went to college, I upped it to three miles every other day because that was the loop around campus. Um, and then when I graduated, I moved to New York City to be a fact checker, and the lady I was boarding with said, why don't you enter this 10K race in Central Park you, if you run three miles at a time, you can do a six-mile race. And for some reason, I still don't know why, it was fate. I said, oh, okay, and I entered the race, and I loved it, and I've been doing races ever since. Love that advice of the, um, well, if you can run three miles, you can definitely run 6.2 miles. <laughs> it's like, mm, not quite. It was, a, it was a slow outing, I'll just tell you that. Um, it was my slowest 10K ever at age 24, so. Uh-huh. But wait, so go back to running with your dad two miles every other day. I mean, that just feels super motivated for like a 12 or 13 year old who doesn't really like running. I mean, did you complain or what did you do to kind of, I just, I can't imagine my 11 year old, almost 12 going with me to run two miles every other day. I'm just curious what you, how you kind of mentally package that to yourself. 
Well, my best friend growing up was a runner. Her whole family were runners. They had a closet full of running shoes. And whenever I'd spend the night at her house, I, I can still picture that in my all the running shoes on the wall. And so the idea of running distance wasn't entirely foreign to me. And Angela was always really fit and, and um, thin. And so, like I said, when this weight gain hit me, I thought of this person who was my friend who was close to me and her family. And, and so I think probably that then when my dad made the suggestion, I had more to back it up and more to motivate me than just my dad trying to make me go out with him. Sure, sure. It was almost like it's an aspirational thing. Like you wanted to belong to that running wall of shoes, right? Kind of, yeah. Although I don't think I would have put it that way at the time. I wasn't self-aware enough to know that I really, it was one of the things I admired about Angela and her family. I, I think I always thought that was out of my league. But two miles every other day since I knew she could do, you know, 12 miles and run with the cross country team, I figure, okay, well, I can do two miles and, and maybe approach being as fit as she is. It also must have been really special time with your dad to, to share that, you know, half hour or whatever it was every other day. Do you feel you forged a special bond over those miles? I definitely do. I, I still wish I lived closer to my dad so that we could run and have those conversations again. I actually have snippets of memories of certain parts of those conversations. And I can picture the, the rails to trails place where we always did the run flat as a pancake, but shady. And, you know, the sound of his feet next to mine. Yes. Um, I wish my dad lived closer to me. Hmm, that's really that's nice. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I have to say, so editing your essay, um, was amazing um, because every time I like hit another paragraph, I was like, oh my God, she's still at it. So, so the name of your essay is um, if you can't, you, if you don't run, you can't win, which is a, yes. is, which is a line from where Turja. It's a line from Chariots of Fire, which I believe to be the greatest running movie ever made. Others may argue with me, but I, I just, I love the movie. I love the ethos. Um, I love the dialogue, the realistic characters who are based on real people. And that particular sentiment rings true for me and not just for Olympians like the ones in the movie, but I think for any anybody who loves to run. Plus sure. it's said in that cool British accent. Um, exactly. <laughs> which we won't so. even try. And plus they wear those, they, they wear all white, which just feels so like, I don't know, there's just something so fresh about that when they're running on the beach and they're all white little gym uniforms. I love that. Yep, uh, yep. So, um, so yes, yeah, so I was editing this and, and, you, and it's all about you trying to qualify for Boston before you turn 40. It's like, oh my gosh, she's still going. She's still going. She's still going. <laughs> and you ended up trying six times to qualify for Boston. I mean, how did you, how did you keep that going? Because that is really some tenacity and perseverance. Like, I, I don't know if I possess, you know, I mean, that's just, it's super admirable. So tell us kind of how you kept yourself in the game, your head in the game. Well, I just tried to see everything, every piece of it as a, a step on a staircase and that each step wasn't going to be the end of the staircase, that, that this was going to be a long climb. And so therefore, when it turned out to be a long climb, I wasn't surprised um, it also helped that I'd heard some stories of other people who took even longer than I did. I'm, there were stories out there about people taking 10 years to do this. And so I, uh, I took that as, well, you know, it's like a, it's, there are people out there who run 100 miles and, and uh, they don't just train for that overnight. So I, 
I just kind of kept my head down and did my best to focus on the, um, the part I was in at the time. That wasn't always easy, wow. as the essay will tell you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Sarah, remember, what, what was, was it the marathon woman? Remember? What yes. One Yes. Did she did she try thirty times before she qualified for Boston? I mean, it was something it was a, in the double was, digits. It was definitely a big number. Yes, and um, is that Marathon Goddess maybe? Oh, Marathon Goddess. That's right. Yes, yeah. and better the, than a woman. Yeah, right. Is this a blogger? Uh, it, it is. Yes, and she, she yeah. and she's part of the um that movie. Um, oh my goodness, I can't believe the I'm one about Rome, the Spirit of the Marathon. Um, two. two mm-hmm. Oh, I haven't seen that yet. Yeah. Oh, I, yeah. Yeah. I need so to we. Yeah, we had her on um, about a year ago, maybe, and she talked to us about how she just kept chipping away at, at her marathon time and chipping away at it and um, finally qualified for Boston. That's well, and she ran 52 sense. marathons in a year. She mm-hmm. ran one every weekend, or she oh, ran 52 yeah. marathons in a year, Didn't maybe didn't do it every weekend, but, you know, <laughs> so so she definitely had some miles under her belt to get that BQ time. But, I mean, I just admire that so much. I mean, so did you set up little goals for yourself along the way? Not, not, you know, they say you should have a, you know, that quantifiable goals are better than, you know, airy fairy kind of not specific enough goals. And I didn't, I, I didn't go into every race saying this one, I will run sub 55, 355, or, you know, I, I, I wasn't quite together enough, especially at the beginning to be able to set realistic goals like that. But I just wanted to get better every time. It's like that bleacher song. I want to get better. Mm-hmm. Um, and Wait, so, let's, let's insert that right there, yeah. okay, yeah. Alex? That's a good song. <laughs> yeah. I love that song. <laughs> so yeah, I just wanted to get, I just wanted to get better in a qualitative sense. And as long as I was making that progress, that each half marathon was a little faster, or each marathon was a little faster, I felt pretty good about it. But as forty got close, I got, I started to get a little nervous. Yeah, yeah, I can I can imagine you got a little nervous. Um, <laughs> so so Terja, I I was going back through some emails between you and me, and I found um, one I sent you. It was actually a year ago yesterday, as we record this. Um, belatedly congratulating you on your BQ marathon, and and I wrote, um, "What's your secret for knocking nearly thirty seconds per mile off your pace? If it comes in a bottle, can you please send me some?" <laughs> that was so nice of you, Sarah. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, so um, so so share with us all what what was it. What really made the difference in that final race and training that allowed you to finally nab your long sought after goal? Well, this brings us back to my favorite essay in the new book, um, which is Bethany's essay about hiring a coach. Um, I could have written that essay too with the same sentiments. It just every every word of it, I was like, yeah, it's so true. It seemed like such a um, an extravagance for our budget for me to pay to hire a coach when I'm such an average runner. But once I hired him, it just took, it didn't take the pressure off because having a goal like this is pressure, but I felt I was in good hands. Even when I had a a couple of the failures described in the book, I knew that my coach still believed in me and that every workout had a point, even if it wasn't always clear to me what that was or, you know, all the physiology behind it. I'd kind of gone overboard obsessing about that myself. And so when I hired Darren, my coach, that was when things turned around for me, I think. Mm-hmm. And it made the it made the difference that you were asking about in that email. Yeah, it well, is, it is so ahead, true. Go. I mean, Dim, don't you agree that having a coach, it does seem like such an extravagance, but that, but like you say, you know, feeling that every workout has a purpose, even though it, the, the meaning might be lost on you, but yeah, it's, it's yeah, working its absolutely. magic in the body. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's having a captain steer your ship and a, and a knowledgeable captain. I mean, you know, not that we're not smart women that can figure it out on our own, but 
you know, if there's somebody who's coached, you know, hundreds of runners and, you know, seen the roadblocks that you've see, you're seeing for the first time and can help you around them. That's exactly that's, that's money well spent. I mean, it's funny. So Grant, we haven't really talked about this, but Grant tried to qualify for Boston and Napa Valley a couple of weeks ago. I mean, he wanted to, he needed to run a 325 and he wanted to get to like a 321 because what we'll share, well, you can talk in a little bit about Churja is that you missed getting into Boston, even though you qualified because you didn't have a big enough gap between the finishing time, you know, the qualifying time and your finishing time. Right. And that same thing happened to him with his first try. And so um, we are now going, Sarah is not coming because you're going to be at another race, aren't you, Sarah? But I'm going to Grandma's Marathon um, in Duluth in mid-June. Ah. Are you going to be at a different race, Sarah? What? I'm actually going to be visiting my parents in Connecticut. Oh, yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. And more importantly, yes. Um, so you're going to be visiting your parents. Um, I'm going to be hanging out in the shores of Duluth. And Grant is going to run again. And so he's going to run. And so that's, you know, two and a half months, maybe three between marathon and he's like i'm mm-hmm. just not sure and he set out you know he's very much a do-it-yourselfer and set out to make his own schedule and i was like hire a coach you yeah. are in a position where you are close i mean so he ran i think a 335 he just blew up at the end um right. he was on pace and then he blew up and um and i'm like you're coming off a marathon you want to go i mean you have it in you but you've got to figure out how to get that kick you know and they're gonna know and you might know but but by the time you figure it out and are mm-hmm. sure of it it might be too late you know mm-hmm. Yes. So, um, so it's very, it's, it's, it's applicable to all of our lives. I think mm-hmm. it's true. My husband is also a DIY guy. He's training for the Boulder Boulder right now. And I've told him you could, you could hire Darren too. He'll give you the same price, but he's just, you know, he's not, he's just not as type A as I am. And I think when you are type A, that's the, that's the, um, the time to get a coach. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Well, and the other thing too, and, and um, I mean, it is, it's definitely an extravagance. Like, and I know that budgets are so important, especially when you're raising little ones and, and yes. they need, <laughs> my kids, they need shoes every other day. I swear <laughs> they need them every other day. Um, but, you know, at this point in my life, I want experiences more than I want things. You mm-hmm. know, I want, I want to, to run fast. I want to do this race. I want to go places, you know? And so if that's something that's interesting to you, like even asking for, you know, you know, half of a month's payment or something for your birthday, you know, instead of asking for, you know, another scented candle, you know, like, yeah, just, just, just putting it out there just because I just feel like sometimes I just feel like it's a little bit out of people's reach. But if you, Mm -hmm. you know, put it out there as like, can you contribute to this instead of giving me something? It's, you know, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yep. You will, you will never regret. I really don't. I mean, unless you don't have a good relationship with your coach, I, I know that does happen. But if you get a coach that you work well with, it's worth its weight in gold. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So. Yeah, so you did qualify for Boston finally after six races, but, but I <laughs> kind of spoiled it. But tell us what happened. I mean, this breaks my heart. Well, it was my it was actually my fifth attempt with Chicago where I where I qualified for the first time. Then I I got to Basque for about nine months in in that that victory, <laughs> and then in September when the time came to register for Boston Boston does this staggered registration, the people who qualify by more get to sign up first. So if you're one of the lucky golden types who qualifies by more than 20 minutes over your base time, you get to sign up first, and then 10 minutes, and then five minutes. And then the rest of us get to go. And if they run out of room before they run out of qualifiers, not all the qualifiers get in. And I was um, I was shut out because I missed it by eight seconds. Oh. oh. <laughs> I know. That just, that just hurt. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. So I, it was a, you know, when I started the quest, my thought was I just want to qualify 
that would be good enough for someone like me. But then, of course, when and you you two mm-hmm. probably can relate to this, you you accomplish something, and then suddenly it's not good enough, and mm-hmm. you want the next thing, and the oh, next yeah. thing mm-hmm. is actually running Boston. Yes. So I I. I as I said um, in my essay also, I'm not a crier, but when that happened, I, I think I cried for two straight days. And when I wasn't at work, I was crying, my poor husband. Yeah. Um, and then I, I, but I had signed up for another marathon. I'd signed up for Indianapolis in November last year. And so I said to my husband, I said to Darren, I still want to, I still want to run Boston. I want to try to do better. And um, so I trained very hard for Indy and I got there and the weather wasn't great. They had a piece of that windstorm that hit oh. New York City. You know, it was the same weekend as New York. And so I had a headwind for 14 miles, but I BQ'd a little better at that one. It was uh, a minute 32 instead of 54 seconds. Mm-hmm. And um, so I have a new BQ for 2016. Mm-hmm. I realized the same thing could happen to me again this September, though. So I'm going to be signing up for another fall marathon. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, we'll we'll just see what happens. I've I've had a really good winter and spring training this time, so hopefully I have a good base for that fall marathon. It, the quest goes on, though, ladies. It goes on. <laughs> oh, well, I hope I hope we can both be at Boston 2016. Me too, Sarah. I was really happy when you qualified. Oh, um, thank you. And there's another woman in my running group who's working to qualify. I, I think there are a lot. There's a lot more competition for it now. I think mm-hmm. for some reason more runners are realizing that this is something they can shoot for. Right. I mean, it's. It's sad to say, but I think the um, bombings um, brought a lot of attention to, to Boston, the Boston Marathon in many different ways. And one of them was, oh, wow, that's really prestigious event, and, and I want to qualify for that. And um, so, Or maybe people are moved by the, you know, wanting to show their patriotism or solidarity with the um, people who are injured by that or whatever. But it, I think there is more competition now for it. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So um, I say with no further ado, let's have Terja read from, from her essay. Sounds good. Okay, I am going to read the first part from the beginning. And uh, it won't be so much of a cliffhanger for those of you listening to the, to the podcast. <laughs> right. But, uh, but spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Spoiler alert. My six year old son, Will, discovered detective stories last year and decided he wanted to be a private eye himself. His business plan was simple. He'd taped several signs advertising his services to the front window of our house. An example is Will Becker, detective, $1, solves mysteries, and you can imagine the six-year-old spelling, and hang out in the front yard. He figured he'd be solving mysteries in no time. Except, no surprise, it didn't work. He got no clients. Will, I said, you didn't give it enough time. Starting a business is hard work. I hoped I sounded wise to him, but maybe I was just annoying. Either way, Will comes honestly by his impatience and his desire for things to be easy. He is my child, after all. I started running way back in 1985 when I was 12 because adolescence made me suddenly pudgy, and I didn't like that. I didn't like running much at first either. I did it only for weight maintenance benefits until I entered a 10K as an adult on a whim. I discovered I actually liked racing, even though it was clear I wasn't going to break records. I finished my first marathon two years later on an unusually cold day in Houston. It took me five hours. I didn't think I needed or wanted to do another one ever. But somewhere between leaving a grueling newspaper job to join the Peace Corps and meeting my husband, Dan, I changed my mind. 
The year we got married, I trained for and ran the New York City Marathon. My time was faster than it had been eight years earlier, 4.14. Fairly content, I shelved marathons for a while because I got pregnant with Will and his twin sister, Ruthie. As I was training for New York, though, I'd heard about the Boston Marathon and wondered if I could do that. The question lingered as my kids grew from babies into toddlers, and I found more time for running again. The Boston Marathon. It's basically the 126.2 in the U.S. that you can't just pay for and cross the finish line. You have to run a prior marathon at a challenging, for most of us, pace and finish under a certain time, which qualifies you to enter. Hence the acronym BQ, Boston Qualifier. The finishing time is based on your age and gender. For me at age 37, nestled in the 35 to 39 age group, I needed to run a three-hour, 45-minute race or faster. There is an exception for runners who raise a lot of money for charity. As difficult and noble as doing that is, I wanted to be a BQ. I'd heard it's something only 10% of all marathoners can accomplish, and that quest appealed to me the way getting into prestigious universities had when I was a junior in high school. I thought my 40th birthday, then a little more than two years away, would be a reasonable and nicely symbolic deadline for the goal. I also thought it would give me a cushion, one I hoped I wouldn't need. Each jump forward in an age group nets five more qualifying minutes so I could potentially just have to run 350. <laughs> I didn't tape a sign to my front window that said, slower runner wants to run Boston, please give that to me. But I wanted to do this hard thing without it being hard. And that's where I'll stop. That's, that's great, Terja. Yeah. One of the, before we um, go into other questions, one of the things that you, um, talk about in your essay, and we quoted you on your little profile board as saying that you had to learn how to embrace the hard, embrace the hurt, and remember that when that happens to you, that doesn't mean that the race is over. You don't just give up, like you can hang in there. And I'm just right. wondering how you did that. Was it just repetition of hard workouts? Was it a mental shift that you made um, in your perspective? How, how did you get to that place? It was both of those things, Dimity. It was, um, it was the hard workouts. I, I, I did some, some of the hardest workouts I'd ever done at that point leading up to Chicago. And that, that really does help build that mental muscle. But there is another step to building the mental muscle. And the mental muscle is key. It's the thing that lets you tell yourself in the moment of pain <laughs> that this is not going to last forever. You just, you just have to make it last a little longer so that you can get what you want. And the stubborn desire to get what you want has to be stronger than, than tuning into those signals from your body that say you're tired and you're not going to be able to do it. It's, it's, a, it's almost trying to build up your inner optimist and beat down your inner pessimist. And I think for me with running, the pessimist had always been stronger. And, and I'm still working on the optimist, but she's a lot stronger than, than she used to be. And that's what got me through Chicago and Indianapolis after all those wins, you know, so. Sure. I just loved what you said. I mean, that just, I mean, you just put into words what it is that I think exactly makes people be able to reach the goals that they set for themselves. You know, those, those goals that require some hurt to get through. I mean, that was really well said. Thank you. I, I like to, I like to think of that when I watch elite runners in races, because obviously I'll never see those paces that they see. Um, it's a whole other level of pace, but I like to think that 
I'm working toward having the mental strength in common with them Mm -hmm. for that point in a race. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. So as you've alluded to, you've, you've traveled around quite a bit for your marathons. When I was rereading your essay, I was like, wow, you know, Utah, Sacramento, Detroit, Chicago. Now, you know, you tell us about Indianapolis. So this is kind of a practical question, but, but what tips do you give ladies who are doing faraway races? Oh, that's a, that's a really good question. Um, I have a packing list for marathons so that I don't forget anything. You're, 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 speaking, you're, speaking, you're, speaking, you're speaking Dimity's love language right now. <laughs> well, you're not Dimity. Typing. What are you talking about? Is it laminated? Does it have like, I, a, like where you can cross off, like, um, you know, like an expo marker. And then when you're done, yeah. it, you know, packing and you can erase it and a use it for the next one. Board, yeah. Yeah. That, that would be more organized than this mother of twins has time for. But I do have it on my hard drive so I can print it. Um, I learned that one the hard way when I forgot to bring a running broad in New York. Do you remember that story oh, I told you guys? We had that was our next question. That <laughs> that was another thing that I re encountered when I was looking back through old emails. So I was going to ask you to share that. So so please do tell that one. Okay. Well, that was that marathon I did back in 2005 before I had kids. I had no excuse for forgetting my bra. I didn't have kids yet, right? <laughs> um, but I did. And I, I was staying at my friend Wendy's apartment. And I woke up on race morning at you know 3 a.m. because New York, you have to get up really early. And um, Wendy was still asleep. She wasn't doing the race. She was just going to uh, shepherd spectators around New York. And I had no one, I, I, fortunately I was going to be meeting up with a friend of hers who was doing the race and who is also about my size. Mm. So when I got to her house, I said, I know, I don't know you very well, <laughs> but can I please sweat all over one of your bras for four hours? You know? So, um, I, I was saved in that I, I probably being stubborn would have done it anyway. God knows what that would have led to, but so the packing uh, list, did you, did you, uh, did you give that back to her? I'm just curious. Did you give that I, bra back to her? I, I, you know, I don't remember if I were her, I would not have wanted it back, but <laughs> maybe I washed it and mailed it to her. I don't remember. <laughs> oh gosh. Oh my gosh. So, so yeah, so the packing, packing list, list yeah. absolutely key. Um, and let me think what else is the, like what, what about do, the what time do do for, change or, or food in the, you know, pre pre-race mm. food, you know? Yeah. Um, the pre-race food thing for me is subway. I know that a, turkey sandwich with no vegetables on white, no, you know, maybe mustard, but no other condiments. Mm -hmm. I know that works for me and that there is a subway in every major metropolitan area where I might go to have a race. Mm -hmm. And so I find the subway location nearest my hotel and that's where I eat the night before without fail. Mm -hmm. So if, if you can figure out something that you eat that works for you for your long runs, that you can get in another city. I, you know, I've heard of other runners who go to Whole Foods because they know that they can get what they need at Whole Foods. And if you can find one in the city, mm-hmm. then so standardizing your, your meal is another good thing to do. Um, and it takes the stress out of having to like pack food too. Although I, you know, I do, there are some food things that I bring, but as long as there's a subway and they're ubiquitous, then I'm okay. Yeah. What, what about <laughs> in the morning though? Um, again, having a routine, um, I try to drink whatever, you know, when I'm training, I try to drink whatever the race is going to be serving. Sometimes that works and sometimes it doesn't. You know, as we all know, not everybody's digestive system is going to agree with everything. So if you can if you can get used to what the race folks are serving as far as the drink goes, then, then do that. Um, for breakfast, again, I'm very boring, but boring is key. Um, I have a banana. I try to eat some dry cereal because milk doesn't work for me. 
you know, neither do all, milk alternates. Um, so dry cereal and a banana, lots of the race drink, lots of water. And um, I always have hot tea. For some people, it's coffee. Um, but I, I just don't like coffee that much. But hot tea, you know, gets the digestive system going. So you don't have to worry about that. Mm-hmm. Um, the other tip I would make, and this is after comparing Chicago with Indianapolis, is if you're trying to, trying for a goal and you're in a strange city, a smaller race is really better. Mm-hmm. Um, I really liked Indianapolis because I didn't have to worry about getting into the corral with some ridiculous amount of time. Um, you know, I didn't have to be in there 15, 20 minutes before the start. So I had time to use the bathroom um, like five minutes before the gun went off. And that was really nice. And in mm-hmm. Chicago, you don't have that luxury because there are thousands you know, tens of thousands of people mm-hmm. all trying to do the same thing at the same time. So pick a smaller race if you have a goal. If you're just having fun, the big races are, are fun. But um, I think oh, yeah. Indianapolis was a better BQ race than Chicago. Mm-hmm. Well, and just the sheer volume of runners, too. You don't have to, you know, do the bob and weave so much, you know. Yes. I mean, even, and even though you are in a corral that, you know, supposedly fits your pace, like it's just it's just less energy to get around both mental and physical, right? Totally. That was a, that was a big, uh, at the beginning of Chicago, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm in a herd. And in that case, I was going too fast, mm-hmm. I think, at the beginning of Chicago. So, and that didn't happen in Indianapolis either. So. so then I have to ask, what is your fall race then? Probably Indianapolis again, honestly. Oh. I, I really liked it. Um, I think, Sarah, I read somewhere that you, like, you, you pride yourself on not having repeated a race. Yeah. Oh, that's because you said that in the email. I was like, hey, how many races have you run? And you're like, oh, the only one I've repeated is Houston. I was like, well, <laughs> yeah, that was an odd little thing. to. And I'm like, I wonder if she knows that I don't like to repeat it. Yes. I, I, I think that is why I said that. But I figure since I already have repeated one, I can do it again. It's not like a streak, you know? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Another facet of the type A, and I totally relate to that side. <laughs> so, so yeah, I can do Indianapolis again in good conscience, and I like the race. And the other cool thing was my uncle and aunt came down and had lunch with me after. Oh, nice. Um, so so you're not worried about the weather in November? Oh, you know, you always worry about the weather, but um, – I was reading, did you guys read about the Los Angeles Marathon last weekend? And yes, I think it was, it was so hot. Yeah, but I think Blake Russell had a really good race. And I, I read that she told herself, okay, the weather is what it is. I'm going to run a tactical race. And so I figure I can learn from that. And if it's not going to be a BQ day, if it's hot or cold or, you know, hailing or whatever, um, then I'll just change my strategy. And, you know, I do want to run Boston. I do want to qualify again, but I do feel like finally having qualified has made me a little bit more mellow. I'm not going to, I'm not going to be in despair if the weather's terrible. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Yeah. can I just also say, uh, I just had a blonde <laughs> moment there because when you said Blake Russell, I thought of Blake Lively and I was like, wow, for an actress married <laughs> to Ryan, what's She's his name? Fast. I'm like, yeah. wow, that's, that's really, you know, a very mature, you know, well thought out tactic and, you know, <laughs> mental attitude. I'm like, no, 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 Blake Russell, the professional elite runner. <laughs> I think she got third place in the race. Yes. Yeah, so and definitely not Blake Lively. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, and Blake Lively just had a baby not too long ago she's a mother runner <laughs> oh, so wait, so let's shift for one minute because i want you to talk a little bit you shift from boston and marathons to cross country because um you recently brought your first pair of cross country spikes which i believe not many mother runners have done and competed in a very did you first pres- it the very prestigious cross country race in boulder right yes um 
Dimity, I think I remember reading something you wrote once about coming up to Boulder to compete in triathlons and how intimidating <laughs> it is. I hate it. I hate it. I don't want to do it anymore. <laughs> well, I felt that way when I moved here, but once you've lived here for a while, it's like, okay, this is what it is. You know, I, I, I either have to not do it or I, I do it and find a way to enjoy it. And so I've embraced the Boulder. I've embraced it, my, my mediocrity in Boulder. Um, <laughs> But, you know, my coach is Darren DeRook. And when I asked him if I could do this, you know, cross-country nationals, which which anybody can enter, um, I assumed he'd say, oh, sure, and it would just be a blip on my training schedule, and um, and that would be it. But so when I asked him, he said, oh, oh, sure, you can be on Colleen's team. Oh, my gosh. And his wife is Colleen DeRook, who is um, probably one of the most awesome marathoner marathoners of all time. Um, she's a very down to earth person. She's a mom herself. She coaches a lot of, you know, runners like me, but being on her team is a bit intimidating. And, um, but you know, I, like, like Sarah said, I'm sort of type A, so I'm not going to back down from the challenge. So I said, okay, sure. I'll bring up the rear of Colleen's team. (laughs) (laughs) And, And I bought the spikes and, um, I was, I was even more nervous before that race than I was before Indianapolis, just because of the company I was in. Oh yeah. Um, it wasn't just Colleen. There were all, you know, a bunch of other really fast women in that master's race. And, um, I knew I was going to be mid to back of the pack, especially in the age graded times, which they post on there. And sure enough, I was, but I had the best time. It was, um, it was amazing. I would totally do it again. I recommend everybody do something scary like that. Um, and the people, the other runners on my team were, were all faster than I was and they were all gracious. And I also got to take a, a medal home for second place in the master's group that I did nothing to contribute to. So, <laughs> <laughs> and, but I mean, how, cause that's, is that the first cross? I mean, I'm always curious, like how did that feel to run on grass and in spikes and, um, yeah. Um, I loved it. I, I love running on golf courses and this race was on a golf course. So I hadn't ever done it in spikes before though. So I, I bought the spikes. They came in the mail. They were bargain basement, 20 bucks from some uh, website I'd never heard of. So I had no idea what I was getting. Normally I'm really careful about my shoes, but 20 bucks, you know, I wasn't sure how many of these I would do and I didn't want to overspend on them. So I took them to a course near my house a couple of days before the race and ran in them. And I swear it was like I'd lost 10 pounds. Um, just having those light shoes on my feet, it made me feel briefly like an elite. Um, now when you're running, you know, when you're running behind Colleen and pro triathlete, Joanna Zeiger and some of those other folks, you feel less like an elite, but, um, (laughs) you know, I take off my usual clod hoppers and put those on and it is like having little, little mercury wings on your feet. It was pretty awesome. So did you wear bun huggers on your buns? No, but you know, it's funny that you bring that up because um, a couple of days before the race, also, I got an email from Darren saying, oh, well, you know, I'm going to get you a uniform because the teams have to wear uniforms. And I thought, oh, that's pretty cool. I get to wear a uniform. But um, I think he thought we were all going to be wearing jog bras. And I was like, nah, this, this belly had <laughs> twins. It is not going to see the light of day. So I emailed Colleen. Um, like I said, she's the mom too. I figured she'd understand. And I said, I really want to wear something that's going to cover my midsection. Okay, please, Colleen. And um, as <laughs> I suspect, that to me. <laughs> yeah, she, she said, yes, I understand. Um, and so we all wore singlets and oh. um, I wore my own black shorts. They were not, I will never wear bun huggers. I don't think I would have worn bun huggers at age 25, <laughs> much less 42. 
Um, and we all wore our own black shorts and it was very low key and um, I was very comfortable. But yeah, that was a fright. The idea that I'd have to wear a, a bra by itself, I, I, that, that just doesn't happen. No. <laughs> deal breaker that's a deal breaker that's a deal breaker my, my friend Cynthia I told her about that she said oh my god that would stress me out so much. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness oh well Tersha we could just talk to you all afternoon this is so much fun it's fun yeah. I, I I love listening to your podcast um ladies and I'm so honored to be I, I was honored to be part of the book i'm honored to be i hope i don't bore everybody who listens to this um but no not at all thank you both so much oh well thank Thank you thank you so much okay bye-bye bye-bye Twin powers activate. I could have just, yeah. you know, listened to Terja just all afternoon. Like I said, I just, what a delight. Does that, well, does that fire you up for uh, 2016 Boston? It does. Now I want to hang out at, you know, Athletes Village with Terja. So <laughs> <laughs> mother runner party at Athletes Village. <laughs> yeah. 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 So she's a, she's a keeper for sure. And her story, I mean, you know, it got a little uh, technical at times with the, um, you know, trying to explain, you know, because, you know, you can, it used to be that you could have 59 seconds past your finishing mm-hmm. time to qualify before it got all intense, mm-hmm. you know, and, and then they cut it back, back by that. And then they cut it back by five minutes. And then mm-hmm. there's the age thing. And it was just like, oh my gosh, I feel like I'm writing like a scientific manual right now. You know? no, like no, how- no, 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 while she was reading, I thought, oh, that's very clearly explained. That's well done. Uh- no, she had, she had, she didn't read the complicated part though. Oh I'll, yeah. Well, uh, don't, she don't- read the, she read the complicated part of tattered covered. I mean, it's fine. It's fine. But I think it's easier to see on paper than mm-hmm. it is to hear out loud. Mm-hmm. But it's a, it's a riveting um, essay. Oh, it really is. Yes. Yeah. yes. No, it's a good, and again, mm-hmm. like that, the persistence in that is just so admirable. I think. Um, oh, I know. I loved you saying tenacity and pers- uh, perseverance. I, I wrote that down in my podcast notes, Dimity. Oh, good. Good. <laughs> I was pulling out my 25 cent words. Right, right, right. Well, for more 25 cent words, head, and maybe some, maybe just and maybe some, some F-bombs too. Yeah. Um, head on over to our Facebook page, which we would appreciate if you would like. It is run like a mother, the book. Our two websites are anothermotherrunner.com and motherrunnerstore.com. On Twitter and Instagram, we are at the Mother Runner. Our books, Run Like a Mother, Train Like a Mother, and Tales from Another Mother Runner, are all available online as well as at your independent bookstores. And uh, whether you're in track spikes or not, uh, many happy miles to you. Or trying to qualify for boss or BQ, actually BQ or DQ. I'll be in the DQ. <laughs> See you with my blizzard. Yeah.